Ben, you ready to go Jurassic? Let's do it. I'm ready to go. All right. I, I think a good way that we should introduce this because this is a beloved movie for, for me. And I know it's a beloved Absolutely. movie for you came out when we were, but young tykes. Um, I think we need to do a Jurassic park phrase off. There's so many quotable, quotable moments here. All right. Absolutely. So I want, I want to see how far we can go with, with the popular phrases. Uh, and, and the winner gets the, the joy of introducing uh, people to the podcast. Sound good. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Ready? All right. Yeah. Go first. Awesome. Uh, shoot her, shoot her. Clever girl. Let's go. Um, uh, must go faster. Must go faster. <laughs> that 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 is one big pile of. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, life finds a way. Hmm. Uh, and you sold it. You sold it. You're selling it. You're selling it. <laughs> Um, uh, you have a T-Rex. You have a, excuse me, say it again. You have a T-Rex. We have a T-Rex. We have a T-Rex. <laughs> um, very good one. Um, okay. Um, oh gosh. Do we have a time limit? Tick, 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 tick. tick. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that just makes me more nervous. Um, uh, what do you call a blind dinosaur? Oh, uh, that's a good one. Do you think he's Are you it? asking me? <laughs> no, well, I, I figure you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hello, John. Hello, John. <laughs> hello, John. <laughs> Bingo. Dino DNA. Dino DNA. Um, how about uh, God creates dinosaurs. God creates. God destroys dinosaurs. God creates man. Man destroys God. Man creates dinosaurs. Dinosaur <laughs> eats man. Woman eats inherits man. the earth. Oh, that's a good one too. Um, we could go all day. We could, we, all day. We, we could go all day, Ben. Uh, I, I think our I think our point has been proven. We love we love the movie and we love it. Why don't I? I'll give you the honors. It's only appropriate that we say welcome to the reviewers. We're on a mission from God. Dun, 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 Isn't that a good score? It's an amazing score, man. I mean, that's that's honestly one of those. I, I remember actually having the Jurassic Park soundtrack when I was a kid. It was one of the, it was like one of the first CDs that I had. I bet my top 10 first CDs. And so I oddly just listened to John Williams sitting in my room. Oh, um, yeah. Jurassic Park. Well, as we said, you were the piano kid, so that makes sense. You don't. You want to know what my first CD was? Uh, I'm gonna go with Hanson. Uh, <laughs> it would. Hanson was was maybe a couple years into me having CDs. It probably would have been my first. And of course, uh, I of course I did have it. Um, but uh, it was no. Donna Lewis. It was Donna who? Lewis. Donna Lewis. Donna I Lewis. You, all the way forever. Am I? Close? No. Oh no, that's another good guess. Um, yeah. No, Paul Abdul. Forever your girl. Is that Paul Abdul? That's awesome, man. That, that was uh, Amy Grant. That, that, you no, that was Amy Grant. <laughs> the fact you that and your you contemporary Christian artist. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Hey, so uh, Paul Abdul, uh, what do, what do what do Paula Abdul, Diana the musical? Batman uh, podcasts all have in common. <laughs> <laughs> they demonstrate a certain aspect of my uh, personhood. 
<laughs> oh, too good. Well, let's talk yeah. Jurassic Park, man. It's such let's a good do movie. It. Such um, a good this, movie. This was the first movie for me uh, that I think I saw. Is it PG-13? I think it's, it was PG-13. It's PG-13 for sure. Yeah. But it was the first movie that being under the age of 13 that my parents took me and allowed me to go see in the movie theater. I remember wow. it clearly. Um, it scared the absolute yep. bejesus out of me um, yes. as a kid. Uh, yes. And I and the thing that scared me most was not the T-Rex. It was not the Velociraptors. It was that thing that spits the black goop in your <laughs> eyes. Yes. Uh, and then packs you from the side, like the yes. Dilophosaurus yeah. or whatever it was. Um, uh, yeah. The one that got um, Newman. Nedry. <laughs> yeah, Newman, really. Yeah, oh, the one that right. got Everybody knows him as Newman. Newman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Did you know that that's a made-up dinosaur? Is it really? Mm-hmm. That's uh, yeah. from my sources tell me that that is the only uh, dinosaur that they made up for the movie. Like, like apparently Spielberg wanted to do a lot of that sort of stuff. Like he, yeah. he, he up a lot you know, them. you know, he's big on creatures and sci-fi sort of stuff and, and everything. And he's, he got that great creative team with him to help design um, the, the animatronics and uh, all that sort of stuff. So he kind of wanted to go crazy with it, but uh, a lot of the, you know, the more, historically based and you know paleontologists yeah. and consultants yeah. and things on the film were like no you can't no <laughs> so yeah. th th i think they gave him the one the made one. up and and what a what an amazing well like, I'm design right yeah i'm gonna sleep better tonight knowing that's not real that's right that one's not gonna come we'll out never, we'll never, yeah i'll be good i will just a raptor sleep over the raptors right there. oh too good yeah what's, what's your first memory of this movie man I, what I remember is being told that I couldn't see it. Um, I remember being at uh, my aunt and uncle's house in Cary uh, when uh, my the, the summer of this came out. And um, I had older cousins that I really looked up to and thought they were the coolest in the world. And they were going to see Jurassic Park. And I was like, Mom, can I, can I go with Nathan and the gang? And uh, she said, absolutely not. You know, and I was probably... When did this come out? 93? Uh, 93 or 94, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I was like eight or nine. Um, yeah. And uh, she she put the kibosh on that. And I had seen PG-13 movies before, but uh, she, this was, uh, for whatever so reason, just supposed to be so terrifying. Uh, and, and I would, like a lot of kids, you know, loved dinosaurs, was big into them and everything. So I remember yeah. getting the junior novelization from a school book fair um mm -hmm. and reading through that and being riveted and uh, because i couldn't go see the movie the best i had were uh, were just the pictures in the mm -hmm. middle of that book yeah. and so i just i poured over that book just over and over and over and um i i suppose that i was finally allowed to see it at some point on vhs yeah. and yeah. um and absolutely loved it i mean yeah this is this is one of those um eternally rewatchable movies yeah. that like I, I was i it's one of those that i've seen so many times and i know you as well that i didn't necessarily have to go back and do a, a, a thorough rewatch yeah. or to record this but um yeah. you, you know i i had it on like as i was getting ready this morning and and um you know just found myself stopping and and like 10 minutes later, um, I'm like, yeah. oh, oh, gosh, I got to keep getting ready, you know, but but there was the the scene with uh, the T-Rex coming out of uh, his containment area. And it's just it's so good. It is so. And when you think about how this was almost 30 years ago and mm -hmm. 
what wow. Spielberg was able to achieve, um, you know, with how all of the effects, everything still holds up even better than some of the, you know, reboots and sequels and things that I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll get to. Um, and I know that this was uh, kind of a milestone, um, this and, and like, like Terminator 2 Judgment Day, uh, milestones in the computer you know, generated, um, CGI yeah. type of, uh, effects, but, uh, those I think still hold up pretty well. And particularly what he was able to do with the practical, um, effects and, and the kind of real dinosaurs that they built. It's just, uh, it's really compelling to, to watch still, which I, I think is, is something considering how many advancements we've made in those areas. That's right. That's right. I mean, I, I was, I, I watched it a couple I've, interestingly seen it probably two or three times in the past like five years um but i did similar thing kind of just skimmed it um this a couple days ago and was uh that scene where they see the dinosaurs for the first time in the i can't remember it's a brachios brontosaurus brachiosaurus brachiosaurus yep brachiosaurus and um and i was i was just waiting for it and i was like i can't remember if this is going to be like really bad graphics or not and it's obviously not as good as it would be today but it definitely stands the test time it's great yeah uh, exactly and i think i think that is probably the weakest uh that the graphics are in in the movie is that is that shot is the um you know we can it's most obvious there main reason being i think because it's in daylight you notice a lot of the um you know well all the terror pretty much takes yeah. place at night in darkened rooms and hallways. And that allows them to, um, to, uh, you know, it, it gives a lot of grace uh, for yeah, some of the errors that, and, and in the rain, the rain does that as well, but it's a perfect combination because what also adds to the, you know, frightening aspect of the scene, but yeah. darkness and rain, right? So it, it helps all, them on multiple and, levels. Absolutely. We all know dinosaurs love rain. And so like that just makes them angrier. And so if there's, yeah, if there's one thing, yeah, yeah, the land before time taught us it's that. Um, (laughs) So did you, did you know another, another thing talking about the, um, the genius of, of this and uh, we'll, I know we'll get into some of the specifics of the movie in a moment, but I, I think it's, it's good with something as iconic as this, just to kind of talk from a high level, uh, you know, 20,000 foot view. But um, this is another, I've heard it framed like this is a reworking of Spielberg's Jaws. You know, he kind of with Jaws mm-hmm. invented the summer, summer blockbuster. That was such a um, just, you know, cultural um you know, linchpin uh, and 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 lightning rod that um, just caught everybody's uh, attention. And one of the big things with that is th- the short amount of time, limited amount of time that you really get to see the monster, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the mm-hmm. anticipation of um, right. who he's going to be. It makes me think also of like Hannibal Lecter in Silence right. of the Lambs, right? Yeah. He's on screen for like eight or nine minutes or something and, and wins an Oscar. Uh, and same with this. We actually only get 15 minutes of dinosaur in a mm. two-hour film. Um, yeah. But so much of it is the anticipation of, you know, it's that opening scene where 
the, the something in this cage. Yes, lifting this guy up and sucking him away. And uh, yeah. when they feed the raptors, you see that the yep. cow just like stone cold. <laughs> and uh, and and we just hear them eating and everything. And then the, it lifts back up and it's torn to shreds. Um, just it's really impressive what they do uh, with the dinosaurs not on camera to help make them even more frightening. Yeah. I never thought about that. That's a good point. I mean, it's the, obviously the anticipation the buildup leads to the suspense of it all. Um, but I, you know, there's something that you got, you got to punch at that a little bit theologically too, right? The idea of just the idea of things that kind of, um, we spend so much of our time worrying about things and such a little, um, percent of our time actually seeing things that mm. worry us, right? You're um, exactly right. Yeah. But kind of builds, builds on that. I mean, it, it plays to the, the human mind and our fears and the things that we, that stir us up and keep us up at night are things that exist only in our imagination or only, um, or, 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 or are, we just, we just haven't seen, you know, uh, like fear is kind of a, a huge factor, but yeah. that's what great point. Spielberg so good is he knows how to, he knows how to, um, hit that fear bone, um, pretty hard um yeah movies so so that's a little bit of your of your history with it from childhood but uh you you shared with me that you've actually preached a sermon kind of themed around this right yeah yeah tell me about that absolutely i this is one of my i mean um this has always been this is a top five movie for me um i I just think it's it has stood the test of time it there's so much nostalgia tied up to it about like childhood and, and seeing this and being the first like scary movie that I think I saw. Um, and, uh, and I love it. And it, and it's just so iconic for so many reasons that, um, that it is one of those things that's kind of always not, it's not way back in the, in the memory bank or in the files of like things to pull on. And so I can't remember what the pastor's scripture was, but I'm pretty sure it was, um, it was a, it was a, a resurrection like story, um, uh, that was, that I was preaching on. And there's just so much rich, in this movie about um about life and about um i mean there's so many there's like several theological themes they're all kind of packed in to one another but i think just to give people uh who are listening just to kind of a, a setup of 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 all of it is is to look at kind of the two obviously it's a movie about dinosaurs um but it is definitely a movie about the dangers of human beings kind of doing things that push the limits of what they should be doing, playing God um, in, a, in a lot of ways. And so that's one of the themes, like I kind of want, let's, let's talk, let's like dive into that for a hot second, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and, uh, and then we'll come back to the, the other, the other part. Um, but I, I just, and it's just hitting me right now, if I'm, if I'm correct. So Dr. Hammond, who's the doctor who creates Jurassic Park, John Hammond, right. Um, mm-hmm. Is, um, is Richard Attenborough, great voice, great actor, obviously, and is building this this land for people to go visit. Everybody knows the plot of Jurassic Park. I don't need to explain it to you. But the the I haven't looked at the movie quite as much through like the major opposition to Dr. Hammond is Dr. Malcolm, right? Um, is sure. uh, and you think it's going to be the lawyer, and you think it's going to be other people, but it's really this chaos or whatever he says he is um, versus this man who's trying to create this beautiful theme park. And it just hit me. Isn't it true that Dr. Hammond wears white the whole movie and Malcolm is wearing black the whole movie? Um, I don't oh. know if that's true. 
but that just hit me right now to think that like uh, of a little bit of like that's how Spielberg frames them as opposite thinking. And that's quite frankly, a good point. Yeah. I think that you, th- I think that, um, you know, all of us view uh, Dr. Hammond as being like the, who wouldn't love that guy. I mean, he's just a joyful grandfather. Who's like fun. Who's created this magical land and everything. And so he almost is painted by being white. Um, as like this kind of godlike image who's um, creating this thing. And, and Malcolm is pegged as um, the guy that's trying to thwart the whole thing by yeah. asking all the questions and he's annoying. And, and even Dr. Hammond says at one point, I really do hate that man um, when <laughs> yeah. he's walking him. Um, I really him. hate that man. <laughs> and so they're, they're posed as opposites from each other. And you don't really know who you should believe, but Dr. Dr. Malcolm, uh, um, Jeff Goldblum is the, the, the voice of reason. And he is the, um, you think he's just trying to mess up this guy's vision for something that could be so wonderful and everything, but he's got a very good point. He's phrased as a chaotician, but he's also more of like a, just a wise sage wisdom of like the limitations of man, and the dangers of pushing it beyond. So uh, they they go back and forth for me in a theological sense it's like one idea pitched and then the other one counters it and then one idea pitches it and the other one counters it um and looking at it through that lens kind of flips the movie into something completely different not just a movie about um about dinosaurs anymore in a park but about uh how humans oftentimes are trying to play god um and 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 the dangers of when we do attempt to play god right um, I don't know. Is that is that, uh, that that might not resonate? I mean, I, that's that for me is something that's, that no, seems to be yeah, up. Uh, no, I th- I think it absolutely does. Um, I, I think that in that way, it kind of encapsulates what an argument could be made is the greatest, if not certainly the original uh, temptation of all humankind because go back to the garden and what does the serpent tempt um you know adam and eve with it's it's that you eat this fruit and you will be like god God. right Mm -hmm. you will know what god knows you will be like god and uh and so well of course let's let's do that and um even there there's that question of um, and and I, I love that God in that story plants that there is this tree. It's available. They can eat from it, but should they eat from it? And right. this whole question of just because we can do this, should we do this is mm-hmm. all throughout this film. I mean, I think it's the, the central um, question. And I, I mean, what, what, I mean, better question encapsulates all of these advancements that we are making these days. You know, we spent a lot of time last week talking about uh, when we were talking about Top Gun and and all these things that humans are able to do, uh, which which yeah, it's 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 great. And so many of the things that we can do, we should do. But there are a lot of things that we can do that mm-hmm. I don't know. Should we just because we, we can? Right. Um, there's that great. I I think for all the dinosaurs and and all of the fun and all the drama and the, and the suspense and everything that this movie creates. I think probably my favorite scene is just where they're sitting 
at the table eating that Chilean sea bass um, <laughs> after they visit the raptor pen and just talking about this park. And that's where uh, Goldblum, I think, really shines as, as Dr. Malcolm. And, um, and he says at, at, at one point, you know, he's, he's kind of just uh, pointing out the hubris of this idea and uh, really um, how it's, it's kind of a capitalistic bastardization of the, uh, scientific progress and the hard work of, um, you know, genetics and, and all of this science. And uh, John Hammond says, oh, I, I don't think you're giving us our due credit. Our scientists have done things which nobody's ever done before. Uh, this is my Goldblum impression. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it, your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could uh, that they didn't stop to think if they should. And uh, Way to go, th thank you very much. <clears throat> but um, horrible impression aside, I love that quote. You know, they they were so caught up with the fact that they could that they didn't didn't stop to think. Yeah. Well, should yeah. we? And I think that that's a question that applies to us. You know, in terms of how we relate with science today, um, just because we can do these things, how does that line up with morality? How does that line up with our the greatest yeah. commandment of, of loving God and loving our neighbors? Um, or why are we doing this? Are we doing this to help other people? Or are we doing this um, for, you know, motives of, of greed or profit or, or pride? Um, and, and, you know, it doesn't even have to relate to science, you know, just because you can do you know, something um, in, in any given day. Does it mean that you should just because you have the time to go and do blank? Does that mean that you should go do blank? Um, you know, is that the best thing for your marriage? Is that the best thing for your job? Is that the best thing for, you know, whatever mm -hmm. else? Just because you have the money to go and spend and buy blank, uh, does that mean you should? I think it's a question that really uh, applies to multiple levels of our, our human um, existence mm -hmm. and uh, and yeah maybe that's why that it it's the temptation that has been with us since the beginning yeah you I mean that's a, that's all spot on with with a lot of those those comments about the um, particularly about just like the should should we in the midst of it um, when we when we can I think that we just have that we have that desire whether we know it or not um, to play God um, yeah. and we don't name it um, and we, we mask it as other things we mask it as um, um, try, we, we mask it sometimes like to take it to like a really personal level. That's kind of off the topic of Jurassic park. We like take the idea of trying to play God to like our five-year plans and like the way in which mm -hmm. we, um, which like ambition and like we're, we're climbing the ladder and like, this is us or controlling circumstances, like making sure that we have control of our space, control of our people, mm -hmm. control of our surroundings, control of everything. And if I can't control it, um, then, uh, then, then, you know, I'm unsuccessful. I'm not, I'm not reaching my human potential. Um, if I haven't conquered everything around me, um, mm -hmm. and yeah. there's this, that idea of being able, you know, it's, it's the, it's the, um, it's a twist on the song. What is it? Psalm, 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 Psalm eight. Um, that is, uh, talks about, you know, create the, I look at the, the work of your, the work of the stars and I look at the, the work of your hands and, you put the what stars is man? in 
what is man. Um, and then it goes after that, that you've created just a step lower um, right. and that you create us to, to, um, to kind of rule over um, uh, creation of everything else. Like we've been placed in a special category to rule over creation. Um, but a lot of people can spin that Psalm to make it sound like we have authority over yeah. creation yeah. in a, in a dangerous language, as opposed to responsibility for creation, right? Like mm -hmm. the, 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 the idea that we're co-creators. And this just shows you, this movie is an example of it just showing you that how we can take that to the extreme of trying to co control and manufacture something in a way that's bad. Malcolm says at one point, um, and this is one of my, one of my favorite lines, um, I'm going to split it up because it's a, because I do want to talk about the last thing he says in this like little quote um, later on, but he, they're talking about how um, they're in the science, they're in the, they're in the science where they're doing the, the science experimentation or whatever. And they're talking about how they do the breeding and how they came about. And they're, mm -hmm. he's explaining that it is um, well, you know, uh, how do you control like breeding in this place? And they're like, well, all the dinosaurs are female. Um, yeah. dub. And he's like, well, how do you know they're all female? Does somebody go out in the park and like lift up the dinosaur skirts? Uh, and, and then they go that back. Makes, and that made me laugh so hard when I was a little kid. Yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> they, they, uh, they go back and forth for a while and he, um, and he just warns the doctor. He's kind of astonished. He's, and he, he just says, I'm astonished at like your desire for control in this circumstance. You are trying to obtain a level of control that just cannot work. Um, and you cannot rule over creation in that way. Uh, and he goes back and forth. And then at the end, he finishes with that idea of like life finds a way, which we're going to come back to in a second. Yeah. Cause that's, that's the theme that I preached on. Yeah. But the idea for desiring control, um, when, again, when we don't realize that we're, we've, we've crossed the, the line we crossed was a while back, right? We, right. we crossed way back. Um, and that's not our world to be in. So, yeah, I know that scene you're talking about and it really sticks out to me too. Uh, BD Wong is one of the geneticists there and they're talking about, um, you know, well, how do you keep the dinosaurs from breeding? And he just so matter of factly, just nonchalantly says, well, well, we bred them that way, you know, like, of course. And, and he, I think he says at one point, we control them, you know, we control that in them. And I think the whole point of this movie is control is an illusion. You know, mm -hmm. they, they can't control anything in this part, you know, from, they can't control Nedry who goes off the rails and tries to betray them. They can't control the computer system. Uh, they, mm -hmm. they certainly can't control the dinosaurs control the, and, and, that's where the drama and the fun and the suspense and everything in the movie comes from is, is the breaking down of this illusion of control. But I love that they even give a little tease to this uh, at the beginning before they even, well, as they're getting to the park where, you know, the, uh, they say that all the dinosaurs in Jurassic park are female. Right. And, uh, and that's the way that they keep them from, you know, keep them under control. Well, do you remember when the helicopter was coming down on the landing paddock and, and Dr. Grant has uh, two female ends of yeah. a, a seatbelt and yeah. it's like, Oh, you know, he, he can't figure out how to, it's kind of a humorous little moment and he ends up tying them together. Tying together. Yeah. yeah. He ends up finding a work. way to make yeah. it work. 
uh, with these two female ends. Kind of just, I, I, what a brilliant little hint that's that. Cool. Uh, that's a little Easter egg I never thought about. I mean, I love that scene, but I never really compared it to the, uh, or put it in the context of the whole story. Yeah, yeah. Just, I love how they kind of, you know, wink, wink, foreshadow that, uh, yeah. that type of idea. Um, but, but yeah, what, of course we can't control life. And, and I think that's made me think of it when you were talking about the five-year plans and the 10-year plans, you know, it's good. Yes. To think ahead and, and have some sort of vision for where you're going. Um, and I think churches get into trouble this way too, uh, because we can come up with those five-year, 10-year plans, and then we dedicate ourselves to those for five or 10 years. But, you know, a lot changes in five and 10 years that we can't predict until it does. And we need to be able to uh, be fluid enough and flexible enough to flow with that uncontrolled, free-flowing spirit of God um, and never be so beholden to uh, the, the plans that we want to control uh, that we miss what's happening in the moment, that we miss this uncontrollable spirit of God. I mean, that's that's the beauty of faith, right? That God cannot be contained. Um, mm -hmm. And and that's why I have um, so much difficulty and so many frustrations sometimes with when I, I run up against, you know, faith that um, tries to hold God in a box or restrain God to uh, a set of, of rules um, that are always entirely predictable. And it's just, mm -hmm. it, it does not work that way because life mm -hmm. does not work that way. And life is a reflection of God. That's right. There's a warning that he makes too, Dr. Malcolm in the middle of the movie. That's, that's pretty funny. Um, and it's just kind of like a, a, a an omen for, for for people to be careful of, which is the line we quoted earlier, which is that God creates dinosaurs, and God destroys dinosaurs, God creates man, man destroys God, man creates dinosaurs, um, and like the logical next step would be, you know, uh, and and and, and uh, can't remember her name, Doctor. Um, uh, well, it's Laura Dern's character, yeah. But Laura Dern's character, can't remember her name. Um, in the Sadler, Doctor Sadler. She said, I mean, she continues and she says, uh, man destroy or uh, dinosaurs destroy man. Um, and then woman hair to the earth. Funny little clip, but there is like a truth, to, uh, a warning of, um, you know, playing God ends in destruction. And there's stories of that in scripture too, right? I mean, I'm reminded of the Tower of Babel and the idea of like the, the people who, who try to build a tower to reach God, you know, and, and to build it and God destroys it and topples. Tower of Babylon scatters, scatters um, persons uh, all over the place, and and there are repercussions to trying to get close when we play God. And mm. this is just one of those movies that, that is a pretty pretty strong warning of that. Um, oh, definitely across the board in a in a fun way. Um, but the other so the other thing that the, the the main thing that I preached on a few years ago when I when I preached this text was uh, or when I preached this movie, not this text. Um, what is that idea of life finds a way? Um, and that's just, a, that's a pretty fascinating, I mean, it's a great line to use. It's a great, um, it's a great reference. I mean, it's a great line just in general, mm -hmm. uh, but it goes back to that scene where it's BD Wong and they're going back and forth and, and Dr. Malcolm's explain, he's like baffled that they're even trying to do this. And he's blown away that they think that they have this illusion of control. Um, and they, he, and he thinks that 
um, I mean, he's, he's kind of just saying that you, you think that you've got everything in one lane and it's nice and neat and tidy and that you've got control over it. Essentially, um, uh, you know, the idea that you've created these barriers that are sure and steadfast, but he says, you know, you, you cannot have the control that you think that you're doing. Uh, life will not be contained. It crashes through barriers and it crashes through barriers dangerously. Um, yeah. Violently if necessary. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then he ends with, and, uh, well, there you have it. Um, he says yeah. life finds a way. Yeah. Right. Um, and that idea of life crashing through barriers dangerously, um, uh, is, is, uh, and violently is, is one of my favorite lines. Cause I just mm-hmm. think that it is this way it's true for the gospel. It's true for, I mean, our whole story as a people of faith, which is the idea of death, obviously being defeated by life and life always trying to persevere. Jesus, the tomb, life finds a way. You think it's, you think you're down and out. Life finds a way. The idea that these uh, mosquito fossils um, are uh, survive millennia in the sap or whatever. Um, and, and the idea that millennia later you have um, these fossils being preserved and extracted and the DNA being used, the idea that life finds a way, even that mm-hmm. extent. And I just, it's the beautiful image for how we understand God um, and how we understand our circumstance in the midst of God is that in, in the experience of death, which we all experience, um, not just the literal death at the end of life, but the metaphorical deaths that we all experience kind of daily, whether it be the death of a relationship, the death of a circumstance, the death of a, an image of ourselves that we thought we were going to be, um, whatever it might be, um, the idea that life dangerously and violently <laughs> breaks through that. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a shattering of death that can be painful for us yeah. in some ways, but that life perseveres um, and, and pushes through them. Uh, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just a beautiful image, I think, for how we as people of faith understand God's work in our lives. So. Yeah, I, I think it's it's very powerful and something that we need to reclaim too because um i don't know that we always think of life as something that fights to continue you know that that does you know i don't want to use violence in in the sense you know like to but but it but it can be that way it Mm -hmm. it can Mm -hmm. destroy for the sake of persevering and um two examples come to mind. One, one is from scripture and, um, it's when Jesus is, is telling Peter that, uh, you know, he's, he, that his name's Peter, uh, yep. meaning rock. And on this rock, I will build my church and the mm-hmm. gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Yeah. And, you know, it, it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I, I realized, well, wait a minute, the gates of hell will not prevail against it gates are built for defense Mm -hmm. so in this image that jesus is creating hell is not advancing on the church the church is advancing on hell and overcoming the gates made to protect it and and the church as the um ambassador of of life in, in its purest and fullest form is um, so uh, <laughs> hell bent on uh, on living and surviving and and uh, perpetuating its life and message throughout the world that even 
um, that which is most antithetical to it cannot stand in, in its face. And mm-hmm. I, I love that idea of just, you know, of God winning, life winning, mm-hmm. you know, love mm-hmm. winning. And mm-hmm. uh, that's why we have an empty tomb, right? That's no matter how terrible things get, we don't cheapen uh, the, the difficulty of it, the pain of it, because it's real. Um, but thanks be to God, mm-hmm. it is not the end of the story because life does find a way, even in the face of death. Yeah. Tomb's empty. He's risen. <laughs> so I, I, I think about that from a, you know, biblical uh, standpoint, but then yeah. even something as practical as every time that I walk along a sidewalk, you know, and I see just one little weed Mm -hmm. popping up in the middle of this slab of concrete. Mm -hmm. It is just amazing to me how, Mm -hmm. I mean, how strong is that thing? You can Mm -hmm. pluck it up with your fingers, but it will grow back and it grows through it finds whatever cracks, whatever vulnerabilities, whatever, you know, faults there are in this rock hard stone. Um, and, and it finds a way to get into the sunlight. It finds a way to live and, and, and breathe mm-hmm. and continue. And that is just so powerful to me. That's something so fragile yeah. yet so inconquerable uh yeah. as as to break through concrete it, right. it life right. finds a way i mean um, i'm, I'm yeah. glad that we don't have to have dinosaurs in our life to prove it to us we, we can just look down at the ground but that's right you you said something a second ago that i love the idea of just like the idea that life is can be um uh, kind of tackling the gates of hell, life overcoming the gates of hell, life overcoming the defenses of the things that in our lives that we kind of justify as being good, but perhaps they're bad, and life pursuing us almost, like, like kind of as if it's overcoming the, um, it, it just made me think a little bit of a, of a, of a quote I heard a, a while back that was um, the gospel or the good news is always, is oftentimes bad news to someone first. Um, mm. And the idea that like, the gospel um, and, and the, the story of life and the story of life defeating death um, is good news, right? Um, to us, but it can also oftentimes be bad news first because it means that whatever gates we've put around particular areas of our life um, and, and, and barriers that we've put up um, around the things that we think are good, but they're really sources of death for us. Um, those will be toppled. Yeah. And that's often yeah. a painful thing, right? I mean, I think of, you know, I, th- I think of friends of mine um, who in particular, you know, I've, I've, we have a, we have a pretty large uh, and robust uh, um, uh, kind of alcoholic anonymous type of, of, of community. Um, and then there's different, you know, kind of in the carry world. And we, uh, and, and I've talked to several people and that, that process is, is, can be painful, right? I mean, that mm. idea of like overcoming Heck addiction yeah. um, is, is it's good news when you obviously overcome an addiction, that's absolutely good news, but it is not good news every night when you are facing that temptation or when you are um, experiencing the, the physical ramifications of, of overcoming addiction. I mean, 
every little moment of it isn't necessarily, it doesn't feel like good news. And that's just true for, for the way in which life operates, right? Life finds a way, it overcomes mm-hmm. and topples those things in our lives that are painful. And that's why life crashes through barriers dangerously and violently sometimes if necessary. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll tell you another Bible passage that this made me think of um, just really as, as we've been talking, you know, and talking about the idea of control and, and particularly controlling nature and um, exerting our will on this force that operates outside of our will um, yeah. is of all things, the story of, of Balaam uh, and his donkey. And, you know, that's, uh, a passage. Um, I actually used to preach on it every year in Benson, North Carolina, because there is a, uh, pastor there. Yeah. There's a a festival called mule days that literally brought, um, tourists, uh, from all over the world. Um, and you know, Benson would basically close down for three days and horses and mules and all other types of livestock would, would take over the streets for, for a weekend. Uh, and, it, and it was a lot of fun, really a, a true cultural experience. But so I, I had fun with that and, and uh, preached on Balaam's talking, uh, to use the King James Version, Balaam's talking ass uh, for um, every mule days. And so I've spent a lot of time thinking about this passage and um, one of the, you know, the gist of the story is um, Balaam is, is going uh, in a certain direction that God doesn't want him to go. And God, uh, you know, moves Balaam's donkey, you know, Balaam keeps pushing and keeps going against what, what God says keeps, you know, focused on his idea of control and all this stuff, his, his plans. And, uh, God causes Balaam's donkey to speak up and say like, you know, quit it, stop Because he starts beating. He starts right. just, it's such a juvenile passage when you think about it in the King James, he starts beating his ass, you know, and, um, and, and eventually, uh eventually was that was that line well received in benson too when you use that in the sermon uh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. benson let a lot of, a lot of that stuff fly um yeah. <laughs> so anyway balaam speaks up and is like man you gotta stop hitting me i'm trying right. to help you you know and mm-hmm. one of the things that made me think of one year is just like how um pridefully you know how we think we have dominion over these uh, over nature over creatures and um you know treat them uh, as if we can and and are entitled to control them uh and uh, yeah I, I don't know that just that that hit me a lot as we you know like they were putting these just absolutely lethal creatures in in these confined areas uh that are going to do nothing but just piss them off i mean put putting those raptors in that pen that small um you know golly the the hubris and the the pride and the arrogance just to think well we can just do this because you know our iqs are higher um and it it did not work. It didn't work for Balaam and it, it, it didn't work out for um, the yeah. folks at Jurassic Park. 
talking about donkeys, I don't know if you, I have a funny donkey story. I, a few years ago, not a few years ago, a decade ago or so, um, I was, uh, was traveling and, and, and we had this opportunity to ride down on donkeys. No, we went, there's like this beautiful lake that everyone went down to and you walk down to it, but then you ride back up on a donkey because you're like, it was, it was kind of a hiking thing and mm-hmm. it just took forever. So you get down to the bottom of it and then you ride donkey back up. And the trail was all like sand. I mean, it was like loose gravel and sand. And I'll tell you, if my dumb ass had not just walked along the edge of this trail and this overhang, and you, I mean, I would be on this thing terrified. And this, this was down in Ecuador. And, um, and I, don't, I don't speak Spanish. And so the, 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 the kind of the, the Sherpas, I guess, if you will, that are kind of <laughs> right. thing to ride their donkey, they're kind of walking alongside you are just laughing hysterically because I got on the one that like, I don't know if this donkey was just like blind or um, just really, really dumb, but he would walk. So it was a dumb, a dumb ass. It's totally absolutely right. Yeah. Um, And I mean, both left hooks would constantly be on the edge and it's like a 20 foot drop off to like just the next landing. And then it's like a, hundred foot drop off of yeah and you just kind of mortified the whole time and he just stayed on the edge the person i was with um she she her her donkey stayed very tightly on the inside of the path close to the edge like you know, close to the other edge the inside the safe area and mine just kind of trod along with his tongue hanging out and like you know like a <laughs> moron just uh, uh anyways so i i i i get the balaam story has always struck close to home with me of being right. like i'm going to knock this thing out but maybe god's trying to throw me over this cliff i don't know um, so yeah uh, good stuff good stuff well i'm glad that ultimately he delivered you to safety that's right that's right so what else from Jurassic Park, man? What's another thing? What's what's well, else you pick? There, there are a couple things. Um, yeah. One, one that I'll say, and it, it kind of revisits something that we were talking about before. Um, speaking of life finding a way, man, there are ants all over my like computer and my notebook and my dad. I'm at church right now. I don't know yeah. where these things are coming from. Um, uh-huh. It's not like I have sweets that are out, but like it's just just yeah. bananas life finds a way you know it does, it does. and um check the fossils you've got in your back just make sure those aren't coming alive or something so, the what the mosquito little fossil that's preserved oh yeah yeah, yeah. my am- my amberized uh mosquito yeah. no that's what i have that in a ring that i wear on special occasions so um no going back to that idea of just because we can should we i think that jurassic park is cool because there's kind of a, a meta textual way to interpret that question because this was you know i mentioned that spielberg kind of invented the summer blockbuster with jaws um and this movie came like 20 years or so after jaws and so he Mm -hmm. was able to kind of see like what had happened after he created that phenomenon i I don't mean to say that he single-handedly did but i mean it's it's indisputable that jaws was really just one of the first big things that helped create this phenomenon so i think he was able to kind of look back and see uh and i don't know that he was intentionally saying this or not but i wouldn't be surprised if he was like is is what you know we've created is it worth it just because we we can create these 
movies that have, you know, that go to these places and, and all this, should we? And I think that that's really interesting when you apply that to Jurassic Park itself, because mm. what happens in, in 93, 94, we get this amazing movie. It's probably in my top five, top 10, at least um, as well. And uh, and then so we make a sequel and then the sequels it's cans not not as good and then we create a a third one and that one is you know also then you know we take a break and uh several years later 2015 dinosaurs are resurrected once again uh, and we have jurassic world and it's kind of a success because it's very nostalgic um and uh you know um and, and so it does kind of well, but then that last one came out, Fallen Kingdom, which was blah, really tough. And then I, I went to go see Dominion yesterday, um, and yeah. it, it was a fun time. It's still dinosaurs on the big screen, but but buddy, it, it's it's a far cry from from this. And yeah. it, it, I, I think it's you know right. the yeah. theme of that comes up a lot in the movie is is that of cloning and making copies and these dinosaurs they're not even they are dinosaurs but they're they're really derivations of original dinosaurs the derivatives and these original great big monstrous beauties like jurassic park mm-hmm. then we create all of these clones and we try to repurpose and recreate and redo and we and maybe we just shouldn't you know just because i mean i know why we do it obviously there's millions and millions and millions of dollars in it but but is what we're creating worth that like it it, it, is it adding anything to um the artistic world is it is it you know doing anything more um and and certainly i'm not trying to come down and say we shouldn't make these movies at all yeah they're fun and and all that but but they're not what this original was and i just think that that's uh you know there's a statement to be made there especially in a world ben where so much of what we watch is derivative of something that came before that most of the time is better. I mean, we just spent as you know, last week was kind of the exception to the rule with talking about Top Gun Maverick, but you know, this summer's probably biggest blockbuster is, you know, a sequel to existing property. Yeah. Jurassic uh, world will dominion will probably be uh, the next highest grossing and it's, you know, uh, derivative of something that came before it um we have reboots of tv shows you know and and all this it's so rare that we get uh just standout original content and i think we hurt ourselves when we do that when we continue and we've talked about this with the idea of nostalgia before but when we just think about how great things used to be or how how cool things were then or how we can make money off of something that is already proven versus being brave enough and bold enough to continue to think forward um and continue to not just recreate but yeah actually create um i think there's a message in these movies about that yeah yeah i'm glad you uh, turned the theological corner because i thought you were just going to be on your soapbox about how much you hated 
uh, read news and uh, and you know, I'm going to tap into whether or not we should do Fast and Furious Eight next time. Um, <laughs> I uh, I've got know. a lot of catching up to do on the Fast and Furious. Uh, I have to say I've not watched many of those. I uh, <laughs> I um you, you know that, that there's passage scripture that reminds me of this um, that you know the idea of just like trying to recreate and trying to mimic and it's the transfiguration story right so jesus goes up to the mountain and takes his few disciples with him and they think it's such an amazing experience God, uh, jesus turns completely white and they think it's so amazing and they say why don't we in, in my uh, elijah and moses show up as well and there's yep. this beautiful vision where oh, they yeah. get a glimpse of god and got who god is and they have this amazing moment of worship and the the immediate response of them is to say let's build three houses here and just stay here and yep. like live in this moment forever as if all that God has said and done um, stops at this moment. And there's nothing more to be learned. There's nothing more to be said. Um, and that's a, that's a, you know, it's a warning sign for a little bit of a, it's a beautiful understanding of just worship and the vision of who God is first of all. And it's also a little bit of a warning of the church and for us in general to, um, to be people who try to stay put and try to stay, um, uh, who, who try to cling on to the past and cling on to the experiences out of fear that they'll never happen again, or out mm -hmm. of fear uh, that we lose it uh, or just out of nostalgia. Um, and there's so many ways in which the church has done that in which we do is we're just people that do that. Like we try to recreate, you know, we go on that amazing vacation or we go on that amazing moment um, and we try to recreate again the next year. And it's not quite the same or yep. that like hit tradition that we had in our family as a kid, we try to recreate 30 years later when we have our own families with kids. And it's like, yeah. well, that didn't fly yeah. quite the same. Um, that's not quite as beautiful. The Clark as Griswold thought. syndrome. Oh, exactly. Clark was, oh, speak. Okay. Um, so anyways, uh, <laughs> another movie for future. Uh, oh, I, they're, uh, they're definitely on the list. Um, so we, but we, we do that as people, right? We try to kind of like cling to the, the past and recreate it for ourselves. And I think that the disciples do that by trying to say, let's build three houses here. And Jesus keeps them going and says, we have to go back down, right? Yeah. There's more to be done. And, um, and, and that's kind of, you know, you kind of see some movie producers doing that day, uh, doing that these days of just saying, let's just recreate and live here instead of just exploring something new um, and, mm -hmm. and, and going a completely different direction. Yeah. Let the past be the past and appreciate it for what it was, but don't necessarily bring it into the future. Um, yeah, it's a temptation. And it's, it's, it's a temptation that I think we have. And I think that God calls us to, to, to let go of, um, yeah. move forward. So, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, well, the only other uh, main thing I think that I notice, um, it's interesting too, man. Like you really, for the theological themes and all the spiritually provocative type of stuff, you really need to watch just like the first 45 minutes of this movie, because once the dinosaurs start, you know, going nuts, um, yeah. it's all it, it, it's like basically they're they're building this <laughs> this argument about you can't control, you know, chaos and all this sort of stuff. And then uh, the second part of the movie is recognizing uh what happens when that comes true. And so um, it, it was interesting. I found myself like jotting notes during the first 45 minutes of the movie. And then afterwards, it's just like watching everything that Malcolm and, and the, you know, Grant and Sadler said would happen, happen. And, uh, and it's just thrilling and it's fun and it's a good popcorn movie. But um, one of the things that I thought about in that, in, uh, 
I figure it bears mentioning mentioning because this will come out uh, a day after Father's Day is the idea of fatherhood. Um, there's there's a lot of that in this, uh, which, uh, you know, I don't know exactly what, what I don't have a extremely cogent point on it, but, um, you know, there's, uh, there's, uh, Hammond there's, uh, who, you know, considers himself the father of these dinosaurs, uh, so much so that he insists on being present when every single one of them is born and even says that they imprint on the first person that they see. And so he uh, wants them to imprint on him. So they recognize him as father, which is just kind of, I mean, that that's definitely a little strange there. Like um, really. um, And so, so there's, there's that kind of twisted odd image of fatherhood. Uh, There's, the idea of fatherhood kind of amongst the dinosaurs, which, you know, I think hits in the end of that theme of, of life finds a way, like we had, like we had talked about. And because even in a um, world where there are no quote unquote fathers, um, they, they, they find a way to, to be one, to, to have one. And, um, you know, I, I think that, that might say something about, you know, how all of us, whether we have, children of our own or not are our our parents in you know particular ways to we steward what we are have been given uh to the generation behind us whether we're teachers or coaches or you know pastors or aunts or uncles or mentors or or whatever we might be um and uh so i think there's a message there and then uh there's just the uh the character of, of Dr. Grant, who is, you know, the, his whole thing is he doesn't like kids, right? They smell, they smell, they do not smell. Yes, they do. And, you know, yeah. his very first thing is him basically traumatizing child. this yeah. child, <laughs> making him consider how a raptor would um, ingest his bowels while he the was bowels. still alive. Yeah. Right. But, um, you know, throughout the movie, he, he uh, finds himself being, this father figure to um to the kids uh who we haven't even really mentioned but but gosh what i mean and that that's that's the spielberg touch in this too is is including children and so you get this childlike sense of wonder and everything but it also creates it heightens the drama and the suspense so much more knowing that that young lives are at stake and those kids just did such an awesome job but it it was a very endearing relationship that he had with them you know as he he was the most reluctant uh to probably sign up for the role of their protector but he really fully embraced it and um you know i I think there's a a very sweet message about fatherhood in that as well so uh there there you go there's your argument that um dads that the fathers that jurassic park is a good movie to watch for father's day there's your excuse yeah there you go that's right um that's good man that's good this is a this is a rich this is a rich movie man it's just it's uh, the first one let's leave let's cut it just the just the first one Um, i think i think that's okay having having seen um all the others you know this is definitely the best absolutely with so we gotta ask the question man we gotta ask the question um you know after after review after reviewing it um Mm -hmm. would you say that this is uh canon worthy 
you know, it always, one of the things we always do have to wrestle with is, is differentiating, you know, movie that we love movie that is culturally beloved movie that is, you know, big and famous and popular, all that sort of stuff. We're not necessarily saying that when we talk about canonization, but that being said, I think that this certainly introduces some themes that nothing that we've watched thus far um, has introduced. Um, and, you know, made us think about like stuff on a theological level that a, a lot of other movies don't invite us to do, I don't think. And uh, so, I mean, that plus just the fact of, of how much fun it is and how engrossing it is. And I think that, yeah, it, it deserves a place. I would sort of say that, is it, is it ironclad? Is it going to be in there forever? You know, if, if we watch another film that, that really takes these themes and, and moves them to a deeper level, um, you know, no, I, I think that maybe it, it might be dethroned one day, but I think that there is certainly a place in the canon for the types of questions um, and the, that this makes us ask about uh, ourselves and our relationship with God. And uh, I would, I would happily give Jurassic Park a place in uh, in the canon of scripture, of cinematic scripture. I am so glad you said that. You were kind of freaking me out for a second. This is absolutely going in the canon. <laughs> a no-brainer uh, for Ben. This is a no-brainer. I mean, the fact that we talked about this movie for an hour and didn't even touch the idea of evolution versus creationism and like the um and that wasn't even a topic and that's like what people might default to and when they think of Jurassic that's Park true. that's true that's true of god and theology um but there's so much richness there i mean we could we could go down that road all you want to but um, we're above that ben we're we're yeah, we're just that's, i mean yeah that's 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 the um that's the kiddie pool of theology yeah, that's to- right that's the low-hanging fruit yeah, we want the stuff right. on the top like that brachiosaurus was going after with this 30-foot neck totally that's right you jump up on the back paws and you or well, i don't think those are paws but, would, <laughs> but you know cute, cute little paws hey did, yeah so uh i don't know why i didn't think to mention this earlier but dinosaurs actually uh account for my first real crisis of faith moment did you know that really no mm-hmm. Yes. Um, What was the the story? Well, you know, as I said, love dinosaurs growing up and everything. And um, I was probably seventh or eighth grade and I was mowing the lawn one day. I was like a summer job and I was mowing the lawn at somebody's house. And I don't know what prompted it, but all of a sudden, like two worlds came together, like a prehistoric earth and a massive meteorite. And they collided and those worlds were the Bible and church and dinosaurs, things that I loved. And it just occurred to me, oh my gosh, where are dinosaurs in the Bible? And I started Mm -hmm. freaking out, man, because I was like, okay, go through the six days. You know, there's the sun. Okay, no, it wasn't that day. You know, they're they're animals. Okay, but it doesn't talk about dinosaurs. It's like animals, animals, you know, fish in the sea Mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And um, and I just remember having a real, I mean, I was so panicked, like 
does this do, do I have to choose? Like, because obviously yeah. I know dinosaurs existed. There's fossils, and then you know, and I've I've never been one to to um, doubt science and uh, and to to doubt the the way that they date these things and everything. So very you know uh, difficult moment. And and my dad of uh, of all folks, and I say that because he's a wonderful dad, but he's not necessarily a you know. Uh, we love you, Steve, man. It's good. Uh, that's right. He's not necessarily a, a, a deep theological, um, you know, thinker, but, um, you know, he talked with me about just more nuanced ways to look at scripture and well, Paul, you know, to Bible says that to, to God, a day is like a thousand years. And, um, you know, maybe we don't have to interpret this as like six, 24, literal 24 hour days and all this sort of stuff. And it, 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 he created space for me to continue to hold, um, these, these two cool. things together. Um, and, uh, and it was, it was, it was very beautiful. And, uh, but, but yes, so dinosaurs will always hold a special spot in my faith formation. So I'm so glad that we could talk about them today as our faiths continue to form and dinosaurs continue to influence them. Yeah. Awesome. That's a good story, man. It's, yeah. uh, it's the, I mean, I think that you were, you would probably not be alone in that world of trying to uh, wrestle with dinosaurs as being a, um, what people view as the counterpoint to, to um, the creation story, but we can easily see if you, um, yep. if you hold things onto things loosely and place it more into the lens of faith, they can easily be reconciled to one another. Yep. Absolutely. Preach. Cool, man. So we need to talk about what we're watching next. Yep. What would you think? We mentioned a second ago, a potential option. Um, <laughs> you know what, Ben? Oh my gosh. Of course. It's so clear now because this is holiday rule. Absolutely. This is summer vacation. Dude, we have got to talk national lampoons vacation. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited amazing so but clark yeah, griswold will, is a personal hero uh totally i i will have to say that i will wa- have to watch the vacation because i am fluent in christmas vacation oh um, absolutely but, good you know, but vacation was one i own and i own christmas vacation but vacation is one that i would really only watch if it were on tnt or tbs um, mm-hmm. when it popped up on sunday afternoons with all so the good watched- stuff edited out that's right. That's right. So we'll um, we'll go back and watch that. But I think it's that's that is worthwhile because there's probably no character in any movie that has been quoted in more of my sermons than um, than Clark Griswold um, or cousin Eddie. Quite frankly, I bring in cousin Eddie quite often. Um, uh, so well, there, yeah. There's there's no I quote cousin Eddie without even meaning to just because yeah. we're, we're we're quite similar. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> the guy's got a lot of good points. Man. Yeah. yeah. Eddie, if I woke up tomorrow with my head stapled to the carpet, I would be more surprised. <laughs> oh, oh gosh, it's going to be a good time. All right, man. Yeah, vacation. So, Sounds good. Well, we'll see you on the holiday road.